We're in the book of Luke, and we've talked about the temptation of Jesus. We're going to go to the transfiguration of Jesus, and then really the trials on the way to Jerusalem from here on out. You'll see that Jesus is going to set his face like a flint to get to Jerusalem, because there he will give his life a ransom for my sin and your sin. Glad for the book of Luke. Lots of wonderful things there. Over 60% of the things that happen in Luke are original with him. He is the one who researched, and God used him to put the information in our Bible. I'm glad I have it. Two longest books of our New Testament were written by Luke the physician, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And I'm thankful for the details in which God has given us in this passage of Scripture. We find here, and just a real quick review from previous times, is that we find in the book of Luke chapter 9 that Jesus now faces and reminds us, the, the disciples, of the eternal perspective. What is your life? And James says, it's like a vapor. Here he said, you know, a man's life does not consist of the things he possesses. But uh, we'll look at the scripture there. He uses the word cross for the first time in the book of Luke in chapter 9. Let's pick it up there and read it for we can, please. Verse 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. That's the first mention of cross daily. And follow me, for whosoever shall save his life, shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. And read verse 25 with me, would you please? For what is a man's advantage if he could gain the whole world? Boy, he said, he said, it's really important that we keep an eternal perspective. And we're talking about living with eternity in view. I hope you'll take that calendar that's on the exits today, if you don't have one to put in your Bible, to pray every day. To, to read the scriptures or give out a gospel track, to do something, to communicate with someone with the name of Christ, do something every day with eternity in view. I appreciate Brother Abdel sharing that last weekend on the Sunday night service and did such a good job laying that out for us in the scriptures. But Jesus is reminding us that, look, you can't get caught up in the nasty now and now. In this world, we're strangers and pilgrims. This world is not my home. I'm, I'm just going through. And we can't, we got to take on a warfare mentality. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, but he's seeking to please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. And there is that, there is that inertia inside of me that I want to get. When is enough enough? How much do I need? And oftentimes, we, the Bible tells us, don't put your trust in riches. They'll make themselves wings. Money talks. It says bye. <laughs> uh, some, it doesn't stay. And it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, servant. It's a terrible master. And it's fluid. Every day you look in there, when you talk about finances, world markets, they go up and down, up and down. Every day you want to look on the NASDAQ. You want to look on the Wall Street. You want to look at the, uh, what's going on in the eastern part of the world. You, you just see it's up and down. And that's the way finances are. It's the way it'll be in your life and my life. He said, look, don't think... That just because you got some stuff, you're all that in a bag of chips. No, remind yourself that a man's life does not, does not consist of what he has. But uh, we need to take up our cross. That's a reproach. That's challenges. That's not a walk in the park. And do whatever God wants us to do. And he reminds the disciples of this. He will say in this passage of Scripture that some people will not die until they see the kingdom of heaven. This is a little bit of a, a puzzle to some. I feel like I, I understand what the Bible says. I may be wrong. I've been wrong so many times. I'm not, a, not afraid to remind myself again. It could not be the case. But let's look at the, if we can please, verse number 27. But I tell you a truth. 
Uh, verse 27, there, stand some, there are some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. I think it's referring to Peter, James, and John, who the Lord Jesus takes up into the mount, and they see the Mount of Transfiguration. They see God bringing Moses back to that mount and bringing Elijah back to that mount. Let's look at that particular story. Let's continue on. Verse number 28. And it came to pass about eight days, so this is about a week and a day later, after these sayings, he took Peter, James, and John, and they went up into a mountain to pray. Mount Hermon is probably the place it is in between maybe a peak and a valley there. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and the raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, or Elijah, who appeared in glory. And what did they talk to him about? Read the rest of the verse with me out loud, would you? And they spake of his decease, which he should accomplish. It's an interesting time. This is the time of Mount of Transfiguration. Unique story. He doesn't have all the disciples there. Matter of fact, he has Peter, James, and John. James would be one of the first disciples to die after Judas kills himself. James is one who is uh, beheaded by, by Herod. John would be the last disciple to stay alive. He would be boiled in oil, tortured, and exiled on the, on the, pile, on the, uh, the uh, Isle of Patmos. Uh, I think that whoever the leader was at that time decided you want to preach that, you're going to preach it by yourself. We're, not going, to take away your, we're going to take away your audience. We'll give you a little island you can be exiled to. However, uh, while he was exiled of that island, uh, he didn't have a lot of revelation to give other people, but God had one to give him. Aren't you glad for the book of the Revelation? That's what God is. God is not, he's not afraid of, of, of authorities or persecution or challenges. He can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. He can get his work done with or without us, and he can do it in good times or in bad times. He's able to set up a table in the wilderness. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and however he wants. And he is not one bit nervous about the financial markets. He's not nervous about inflation. He is, uh, he's very capable to do whatever needs to be done, whenever it needs to be done for his glory and his honor. However, he, uh, he, on this mountain, Jesus leaves the nine somewhere else, and he takes three. And they would be pillar men, as I just shared with you. James would be the first pastor of the church of Jerusalem and the first martyr. And it shook the church, no doubt, when their pastor was arrested and beheaded. Peter would be the man who would preach at Pentecost and also would open the door for the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, going to get Cornelius and opening the door to the Gentiles. Chapter 11, the church finds out that God loves the Gentiles too because of Peter's witness. The Lord uses him in a wonderful way. And then John, of course, being the last author that God used, the human author that God used to get 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of the Revelation. God chooses, and while Jesus is there and while he is praying, unfortunately, it looks like to me that the disciples are weary and sleeping. They're asleep, and Jesus, uh, God brings back Moses, one who is dead, and come back to life, representing everyone who dies in Christ. Moses is a representation of the law. And uh, he is also a representation of everyone who dies in Christ. How many know someone who passed away, and they're in heaven as we speak? You know who they are, okay? You know that. Well, Elijah represents someone who never died. He was caught up and that represents, I think, the church that is going to be raptured by the Lord one day. And wouldn't that be wonderful if we could be in that group? 
Uh, my dad always felt like he goes, I think the Lord's going to come in my, time, in, my, in my lifetime. Well, it didn't happen. That was 27 years ago since he went home to be with the Lord, and he's in Moses' group. I hope I'm in Elijah's group. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, he represents the prophets. Remember, the Bible comes in the law and the prophets. And who fulfilled both of those? The Lord Jesus Christ did. So the Lord uh, Father brings there to that mountain. And once again, Jesus has gone through his temptation. Now the transfiguration. Trans, uh, and now he's going to make his way. And from here on, it's going to be uh, dogged temptations, trials on him. Continually, he's going to have a great opposition from here in his ministry until he goes back to heaven, but especially until he goes to the cross. And the Lord sends two great, great patriarchs of old time, Elias, who represents the prophets, Moses, who represents the law. Moses, who represents people who are died in Christ and will be resurrected at the coming of the Lord, and Elijah, representing people who will be raptured with the Lord Jesus. And they spend time talking to him about his decease. They spend time talking. The Heavenly Father sent these two men to talk to him about going to the cross. What is going on in his future? I do not know all that conversation. I'm looking forward to one day finding out all that's in that conversation. Whenever Moses comes, and now he has been uh, in eternity in his side for hundreds of years, and Elijah caught up in a chariot of clouds, and he says, you know, you're getting ready to go to the cross. You're in that last year of ministry where you're getting ready. He's three and a half years of ministry. Now he's probably pushing over into a year, less than maybe a year, maybe a little over a year left. And now he's going to be back and forth and getting ready to go to the cross. I want to say this real quickly. I, I admire God. <laughs> I admire the graciousness of the Heavenly Father. If he loved his son and would send someone like Moses and Elijah, to come and comfort his son at a precipice of great trial and difficulty in his, in his path? Do you think he loves you? I can think back in my life. I, I think about this, and I, I probably should not say all of it, and I can't tell you identities. But I remember getting ready to get a call from Brother Terry Duff, and uh, I didn't know it was coming. But there was, a, there was a man in, our, in our, our movement, if you will, someone who loved the Lord, been a great friend to me for years. He called me and he said, John, I feel like that God may call First Baptist. I don't know for sure, but I feel like they're going to consider you and Linda to come and be their pastor. You could have hit me upside the head with a two-by-four, and it would, it, would not, it, would have, it would shock me less than that. I remember telling my friend, no. Why in the world would God want me to leave this family of people here at First Baptist of Long Beach? He said, John, I think you need to pray. They may never call you, but if they do call you, I think you need to think about this may be what God wants for you, and it may be what God wants for them. You know, I don't, I, looking back on it, I'll never forget getting that call from Brother Duff and the, my iPhone lighting up while I was writing visitor letters one Monday morning, right before Christmas. And it said, this is Brother Terry Duff, and I'm the chairman of the Pulpit Committee of First Baptist Church of Hammond, request an opportunity to speak to you by phone this morning. Would you be available? And I remember looking over there and thinking, no, I can't believe that happened. 
But you know, I, I had someone that God sent to me to say, John, I think you need to think about it. And I don't think you should say no unless God tells you to say no. I think there's something going on, and I feel in my spirit, you need to be, you need to be braced for it. You need to think about that. And that happened about three days before um, Brother Duff texted me. I remember other things that took place in my life, and you probably can re- rec- recollect things take place in your life before some kind of thing that happened. Someone stepped in and loved you, and it wasn't about them, it was about God. It's about the Heavenly Father coming and trying to comfort and encourage you in seasons of difficulty, of despair, of rejection, of challenge, of arduous uh, journey that you're going to take. And I think if you'll open your eyes and you'll open your heart and you'll reflect on your memories, you'll say, God did that because he loved me. I think God did that for us with our son Tyler. I think he did it for Christy back there. I think he's done it for Sarah. I've talked with Sarah just the other day, and she said, Pastor, it's just kind of the weirdest thing. We had the sweetest little time right before um, Mark went to heaven. He did something for me, and just was, it was all, he's always sweet, but he just did something very significant. I'll never forget it. When our son passed away, it was very unique. We were, we, it was happened at 11.25 on a, on a Friday night. Almost uh, 26 hours to the minute. I remember he had been gone at the summer working at a, ramp, at a camp, and he had just come in. And I remember I was reading a book on my bed, and Miss Linda was doing some clothes and folding clothes. And, and I remember him coming to the door, and he put his towel over his shoulder. He said, Hey guys, will you come watch me swim? We had an in-ground pool there in the inner city of Long Beach. It was just one of the gifts that God gave us. It was nine feet on one end and three feet on the other, and it was small. Um, but uh, maybe from here to the little curve there. And, but I remember I stopped reading the book, and she stopped folding clothes, and we went and stood over a lattice work, and he just jumped in the pool. He said, I've been jumping in the pool there at the camp, and tell me, it was the time when Michael Phelps, Phelps was going in the Olympics, you know, and... He was six foot four inches tall and blonde hair, and he jumped in. And he said, what was that dive, Dad? Was that a six, a nine? Was that an eight? And I said, no, nah, it was like three and a half or something like that. <laughs> he said, oh, I splashed a lot. I said, I'll do it again. You know, he did it. He just dived. We turned the little light on the pool, and it was nighttime, and just swimming back and forth and talking to him about his summer and getting all that, not knowing that 26 hours later, he would be in the presence of the Lord and not re- reunited to us until Jesus came back. You know, I think that God is so gracious to his son. He sent Moses and Elijah at a time that his son needed extra strength to face extra trials. And I think God will do that for you, and he's done it for you. If he do it for a son, he'd do it for you. Well, in the middle of this conversation... Peter is stunned and awakened up, and he wakes up, and he sees the glistering of Jesus. He sees his radiant face. He sees Moses and Elijah that he recognizes, and James and John are awake now too, and let's just see what they do in in verse number 32. And Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw the glory of the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass that they departed from him. Peter said, I said, whenever it was all over and Moses is gone, Elijah is gone, and they had just seen that, Peter says, Master, it's good for us to be here. 
Let us make tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. How many ever woke up out of sleep and said some dumb stuff? You know, you're just thinking, oh, yeah, and we got to get apple cider and something going on here. I know that. What? Well, you wake up and just like, and the neighbor's next door. And like, what? I'm hearing, I'm repeating things I've heard Linda say when she works, wakes up. Can you? Well, we have to make sure that we don't have anything hanging on the door. She thinks there's someone in our room at night, you know. We have to make sure to put all the suits down, put them back away. Because if she wakes up and she sees something there, she says, oh, John, there's somebody here. Someone's here. I said, honey, that's my suit. I, oh, okay, you know, you know. Sometimes when you wake up, you say things that, that terrify you or they say they're just dumb stuff. Well, I think this is an example of this. Oh, Peter said something dumb. He said, Lord, it's so good for us to be here. Let's make two tabernacles. One for them, one for you, and one for you. Three tabernacles. Let's get them all. Let's put them all together here. And, of course, uh, Jesus did not respond, but the Heavenly Father straightened him out real quickly. And all of a sudden, he's opening his big mouth, and fog comes in. A huge cloud just surfaces right over top of him. Probably can't see the hand in front of his face. And then he hears a voice from heaven and said, This is my beloved son. Hear him. He said, you, he said, it's not about Moses, not about Elijah, and you and I, it's not about us. <laughs> it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, would to God that that would be the case in all of our lives. Let's continue on real quickly, if we can, please. Verse number 36. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close, and told man, no man these things, any of those things which he had seen. So we find here that the Lord Jesus uh, they, they understand, listen, this is, this is sacred, this is important. We do find that Peter mentions it in Second Peter when he talks about that we heard uh, his sure word, but we have a more sure word of prophecy, even more so than when I heard the Heavenly Father say on the Holy Mount, we have the Bible. Aren't you glad for that? The Bible trumps all experiences or any phenoms. Every once in a while, someone says, well, I just know what happened to me. If, if it's in the Bible, let me have it. If it's just something you haven't experienced with, we'll just... Take it for what it is. But he said, I have a more sure word of prophecy. It's the scriptures. I heard his voice, and this is more sure. I'm glad that I have the Bible written down, and I'm grateful for it as well. Let's look at the next one, if you can, please. 37, it came to pass on the next day that when there was much come down from the hill, much people met him. By the way, when you come down, there are always people waiting for you. And that's why you're called. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and suddenly crieth out, and teareth him, that he foameth again, and bruising him, hardly departing from him. And I sought thy disciples to cast them out, and they could not. So a man approaches Jesus when he comes down, and he I've got only one boy, and he's filled with a demon. He said he gets bruised. He foams at the mouth. It, the demon takes him and throws him down and hurts him. He said, I took him to your disciples, and... They couldn't do anything with him. I'm sure that was a red-faced moment for all the disciples and a head-scratching moment. The Lord Jesus doesn't reprove them necessarily, but he does say this, Jesus answering, O faithless and perverse, what? How long will I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. Aren't you glad God will accept our problems? And we find another place, there's mountains and, 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 and moons. And, of course, another passage of Scripture, the man says, come help, my son is a lunatic. I'm very familiar with that. I have that same complaint sometimes myself. And he said, he's been moonstruck. He's got, he's got, he's got issues here. And then he said, if you have the faith of a, 
of a mustard seed. You can move a mountain. And really that, uh, the moon there, the moonstruck one, is somebody who needs God's supernatural help. It's a person. The mountain represents a problem that needs to be moved. And, and the way that God says that we deal with a person that needs a special help or a problem needs special help is through prayer and fasting. Is faith and fasting. And faith and prayer are synonymous. You know what makes us pray? Helplessness and faith. When you get helpless enough, you'll pray. And, and that helplessness draws you to God. That's faith, that's prayer. What makes us good at praying is practice and perseverance. Learn to keep praying and not stopping. Continue to pray and develop that. We see the Lord Jesus did that with his heavenly Father. Well, the Lord Jesus heals the man. You can see it, the boy, verse number 42. And there was yet coming a devil drew, uh, threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. And they were all amazed with the mighty power of God. But while they wondered every one of all things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, let these sayings sink down into your ears. Good advice for all of us. For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. Of course, once again, what was Moses and Elijah talking to him about? His crucifixion. And here he just healed this little guy, and he says, guys, listen. This is not about this little guy. By the way, I think Satan sent more demonic activity at the time that Jesus was there. I think, I don't know, it probably was a good place to live in other parts of the world during that time because I think Satan summoned his imps into that place where Jesus was. There were so many demon-possessed people, so much aggravation that was in that community at that time to discourage and to, to complicate the ministry of Jesus. But here a healing's been done. He said, guys, you let this sink deep inside your ears. I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to be, I'm going to die. He said, you got to remember that. But the Bible seems to say they didn't get it. And sometimes I don't get it. When God's trying to explain something to me and something to you, and look, if you would please, at verse number 45, and they understood what? These sayings. It was hid from them, and they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. They, didn't, they were nervous about even bringing that up anymore. Verse number 46, and we'll conclude with this little section here, but follow with me if you would, please. You're doing good, and I appreciate your help. 46, then there arose a reason among them which of them should be greatest. So maybe it is, um, maybe it's John and James. They're the ones who really wanted to be first and second, right? Right hand, left hand, I don't know. They had just experienced a mountaintop experience. Jesus had secluded them away. Maybe it was the other ones that said, you know, I don't know why I didn't get to go. How come they're, they're able to go there and I don't get to do it? Maybe there was there. He said, well, who's going to be the greatest one day? By the way, it's not a question that uh, Jesus really wants. He's, he tells them who the greatest is going to be. Remember, the enemy of contentment is comparison. We mentioned that this morning, but I say that again. But he heard them arguing, who's going to be the best? Who's really the best preacher? Who's the best staff member? Who is the best teacher? Who is the person who's the best? Who, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, the Lord Jesus uses an illustration here. Let's see the illustration he uses, if you would, please. Verse number 48, he said unto them, I'm sorry, 47, and Jesus perceiving the thoughts of their, the thought of their heart. So he already knew what they were thinking about it. He took a child and set him, set him by him. 
In another place in the book of Mark, he, put, he, put, he was in the house, and he took a little baby, a little child, and put it in his lap. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. Whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. Never hurt a child. They have their whole life to, to be complicated by that hurt. He said, But for he that is least among you of all is, great, is the same shall be the great. He's talking symbolically of humility and service and submission. He said, whoever it is that's the least, they'll be the greatest of all. And he tells us later on that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. He said, like a little child, submissive, yielded, dependent upon, upon their parents, you and I ought to be the same thing and God can use it. You know, the, the best days in the life and times of John Wilkerson have been when I have been yielded to the Lord. When he's been strong and I've been weak. The best days in your life are going to be times when you are like a little child. I like what Solomon said. I don't, I'm like a little child. I don't know how to go in or go out. I don't know which door. I don't know my right hand from my left. I need you to help me. And God used him. But then somewhere along the line, he got too big for his britches. And I've done that and you've done that. Look at the next thing, if we can, please. Verse number 49 and John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followed not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not. Would you read the rest of the verse with me? He that is. This is a challenge even in our day. But this, once again, the Lord Jesus is taking his disciples. He's already given them the Sermon on the Mount. He's given them a different way of thinking. He said, some of you are not going to die till you see the Son of Man in, in the kingdom. And they saw the transfiguration, most likely. That's what we're talking about. He is seeing things. He's preparing them for the death. And he says here, then John says to them, he said, Jesus, I saw this guy. And he was, he was casting out demons and preaching in your name. But he wasn't with us. I told him, you stop. He said, what are you doing? If he's not against us, he is. Let me tell you something, friend. Christianity is bigger than you think it is. It's not a denomination. I thank God that God led me, and I feel very grateful that God led me into the vein that I'm in. And I want to continue in the things which I've heard and been assured of. And God helped the people who want to make their own path. I'm not interested in that. I want to walk on the old paths. The paths are already... There are certain things that maybe might be different. I thank God for audiovisual. I thank God for air conditioning and lights. But there are some things that shouldn't change. And I think a guy is crippled too high for crutches to try to do his own thing. And I think we shouldn't do that. However, I would say this, that, that everybody, no one has to cross their T's and dot their I's just like I do and just like you do to be with Christ. Do you think he loves you more than he loves them? I think we ought to be very, very careful, friends, our criticism of others. Because God loves them and some people, maybe they weren't exposed to the same things or the same mindset or the same scriptures, the same concepts. They didn't have the same mentors and teachers and not that we're better than anyone else. But John was really blessed to be around Jesus. But Jesus was teaching him a lesson. There are some good people. Christianity is bigger than you think it is. May I say also it's smaller than you think it is. This big world needs the gospel. So many people spend time fighting one another at the expense of getting the gospel out. And in Hebrews, he tells us, when you run your race, follow peace with all men, without which no man can see the Lord. And we've got pride and arrogance, and only by pride cometh contention. 
People want to spend time pushing the guy beside them running his race or pushing this guy over here running his race when really you're wasting time. Follow his. You can't, you can't focus on Jesus when you're focused on your brother trying to get, his, get the, the splinter out of his eye when you have a telephone pole in your own eye. He said, you can't, you, can't, you can't do that. He said, I want you to follow peace. He said, look, if he's not against me, he's for us. You follow me. Of course, we find that with Peter and James and John at the, uh, the Sea of Galilee when the Lord Jesus was, was there. And, and he said, lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou me more than these? And when Peter got his face ripped off after he finished that little lesson, and the Lord told him, hey, feed sheep. Quit fishing and feed sheep. Be a shepherd, not a fisherman. Don't do this from your occupation. Follow me. Let, be a pastor. Pastor people. And whenever he figured that out, he, he took it. And then he said, okay, what are you going to do with John? What are you going to do with this clown? This dreamer over here? And that's when the Lord Jesus said, look, if I want him to live until I die, until I come back, if I want him to live a thousand, two thousand years more, what is that to thee? That's none of your business. Stay on your rug. You follow me. You follow me. And I think he's telling the same thing here. I think one of the things I, I love, I love being right with the Bible. But I'm telling you, sometimes we can write our way right out of great relationships. Sometimes I don't think we ought to be compromised. I think we ought to earnestly contend for the faith. I'm telling you, his own master, a man should, should stand or fall. And if they're saved, stay in your lane. Do the, what God wants you to do. Be careful about giving your opinion about everybody out there. If, they're, if, they're, if they love the Lord, I, Paul had to deal with it. He said, look, I know there's people who preach Christ with contention. But I'm just happy they're preaching Christ. There's people that have bad motives getting the gospel out. He said, but that's, that's on them and that's with God. You know, I, I'm amazed at this, and it's sad to me, but many people in this room, the person that led you to Christ is no longer walking with Christ. I know there would be hundreds of people standing up if I asked that. I say hundreds, let's say scores. There would be many people, the person who led you to Christ no longer walks with Christ. They used to be your bus captain, and now they're not in church on a Sunday night. They're not a bad person, they've just, they just gone a different way. That's one of the heartbreaks of, of life is not being able to finish a journey with everyone. I love this statement. I hope you don't mind saying it again. All of us, everybody, finishing strong. Would to God that would be something I pray oftentimes for our church is that we wouldn't have any casualties, that none of us would fall out of the way. We'd all just finish strong for Jesus. But we don't want to be critical of other people. And I think John, John has learned a lesson here. He's the youngest one. He's the youngest disciple and probably a little fiery. He called the sons of thunder. And he's the one who wanted to call fire down on people. But learn to, learn to understand that. I want, us to, I want us to be careful about this. And let's just take a moment and look at two verses, if you don't mind. Let's look, if we can, please, at Job 12.2. And we'll conclude with this. Job 12.2. And, of course, you know the book of Job. Job is being... Um, going through very uh, arduous trials that he doesn't understand, and there's no book of Job when Job is going through Job. 
And he has got his friends telling him, oh, man, you really messed up, and you must have had a secret sin. And look at Job's response in Job chapter 12, verse number, verse number 1. And Job answered and said, would you look in verse 2, read it with me, no doubt ye are the people, and wisdom shall die. There is a sarcastic recognition of, of, of pride and, um, and a superiority. He says, all right, no doubt, you're the people and all wisdom ends with you. You can see that to be the case. And boy, sometimes he was getting attacked by them. And he came back with a little bit of sarcasm. I want you to look at another place real quickly. And this, this is played out in the book of Numbers, chapter 11. Numbers, chapter 11. Would you turn there, please? Numbers, chapter 11, we'll begin in verse number 26. Numbers eleven twenty six. Now there remained two of the men in the camp. The name was one was Ildad, and the name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. And they were of them that were written, but went not out into the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. So the spirit of God was upon them. They weren't in the tabernacle teaching. They were in the camp talking to people about the words of God. So these two guys, Eldad and Medad, two fellows that uh, were not with the, the Levites in the tabernacle, they were out in the camp preaching or giving God's word out. Let's look at the next verse. Can we please look at verse number 27? And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of the young men answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. So these two guys are out here. They're talking in the camp. They're supposed to be representing people in the tabernacle. They're out there prophesying out, in the, out, in the, out with all the people. He said, Moses, tell them to stop. Tell them to quit. Because they're not with the group. Look what the Bible says. Would you please and read it with me? Verse 29. And Moses said unto him, And Moses got him up into the camp, and, the, and he and the elders of Israel. He said, are you kidding me? Tell them to stop. Would to God that all God's people were prophesying. Everybody was a soul winner. Everyone's doing it. Well, they're not with us. Not everybody's going to be with you. And John learned that, and Joshua learned that. You and I ought to learn that. There are many other things I think we can learn from this chapter. We'll spin right there. We'll just cut it off like a like a roll of salami, okay? We'll just stop it right there. Let's pray together, can we?